The Church Media Podcast, episode 120, Side Hustles, Millennials, and Building a Powerhouse Team with Drake DeLong Farmer, part two. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive po- podcast for helping you cre- cre- create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. The show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online now at the, the Church, church Media Podcast. Podcast.com. And now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, church media coach, Carl Barnhill. Hey, and welcome to episode 120 of the podcast. Today, I welcome back Drake DeLong Farmer from Gateway Alliance Church in Canada for part two of our discussion about side hustles, millennials, and building a great team. That's on the way. First, I wanted to let you know what our holiday schedule looks like coming up. We'll have regular shows every week. We got Alex and Fedgian coming up next week and the next. We're talking to Alex about midweek rehearsals and how to craft incredible worship sets uh, for our Christmas edition. Don't miss that. On January 1st, we'll have a retrospective look at 2017. We'll take a look back at some of our podcasts over the last year and offer a few freebies for checking out that episode. Then in the new year, we've got interviews lined up with Jay Kandra, uh, Cade Young, and others. So lots of momentum going into 2018. So we are one of the fastest-growing church media podcasts in the nation. So thank you so much for listening to us each week. All right, part two of my interview with Drake DeLong Farmer is next, right after this church media tip of the week. And now, your church media tip of the week. Useful tips and tricks to help you transform the worship experiences at your church. Here's Carl Barnhill. Here are three final reasons why I believe someone serves as a volunteer at your church. Reason number eight, to find community in relationships with others. People want to belong. They want to feel a part of a group. They long to be cared about, served, and loved. When you create an exciting culture, people want to be a part of it. If you're not providing these opportunities for community to happen, don't be surprised when your team members don't know each other. Reason number nine, there is joy in loving people and giving back. We feel joy when we give. Don't rob your volunteers of the joy of serving. Create more roles and more opportunities on your team for people. You're literally giving them the gift of joy. Reason number 10, serving can be fun. Do your volunteers have fun when they serve? Are you having fun? As the leader of your ministry, you are setting the tone. If it's fun for you, people see that and feed off that. Create an environment where it's fun to serve. Again, when creating your volunteer culture, it's good to know why your volunteers are there in order to know how to minister to them. Think about each of these reasons and evaluate your team. Are you providing opportunities where your volunteers are finding community, where they are joyful, where they are having fun? Your team members want to be involved in something that matters. What we do in ministry matters for eternity. Get more free coaching for your production team through our blog, podcast, and online resource library. Visit 1230.media slash training today. This 
This is an exclusive interview from the Ministry of 1230 Media. Here is Church Media Coach Carl Barnhill. Uh, give us some practical steps on how you um, have cultivated young leaders. Um, obviously, some of us just talking to them. <laughs> yep. um, but uh, give me some, uh, you know, some strategies that you've used. You, you've hit on some, but um, mm-hmm. you, you know, what practical steps have you taken to cultivate the younger leaders on your team? Yeah. Okay. So I think um, we kind of take a. a and kind of step back history wise, like, so going back to the beginning of like, when I got here, I took over the different ministries. Well, the difficulty in, and I'm going to touch a little bit on here on building a dream team, but um, when I got here, you know, like um, the different ministries, they were just like, take kids ministry, for example, they were just scheduling people, hoping they would show up. I was just like, yeah, that'll never work. (laughs) You know? And so a big thing was like, I, I recruited like, I don't, I, I, I always say a different number every time. So I apologize. Like 60 to 80 people in like three to four months or something like that. And a lot of that was just talking to people. But once you have those people, then you need to do something with them. Right. And so I'll use our youth ministry as an example of that, because it was a bit of a smaller community. But a lot of that was just like, when we started with them, we had a core group of four people that started you know, and, and it wasn't enough for the youth ministry, but we needed to start somewhere. And so, but a lot of it was like, we had the program night and they worked so hard that at that end of the night, we would go out. Like, it didn't matter how late it was. It didn't matter the fact that my boys are going to wake me up at six o'clock in the morning the next night. I was usually out past midnight and I'm not saying this is the way to do it, but for me, it was like, okay, this is the time that they're all there. They worked really hard. We're going to go out and we're going to, we, we would debrief officially after a night. And then we would go out and just, enjoy each other's company. But what that did is it actually created this bond and community inside of this core team that they started just hanging out all the time, even without me. And to me, that was a success. There were, and, and, and there were things that happened in life where with this team that there was a cancer scare, this person's father was, you know, passed, you know, really ill and was on his deathbed, that it, it was in the midst of this team that they were supporting each other and was just happening organically. And as that team grew, Without even me having to say it, we had some you know people that were coming in um, working from one of the schools, and they weren't able to afford to go out you know as we were going out anymore. And so the team without me even saying it's like well, we can't go out anymore because if we go out, these other people are gonna that are joining our team now are gonna feel like they're on the left on the outside. So we need to figure out something different. So we still met, but it wasn't going out to a restaurant anymore. And so there was this kind of organic like culture that started shaping, but it was very intentional in how it was doing it. And so in the midst of that, we saw people coming up of a leadership that eventually started taking on key leadership positions. And then eventually some of those people actually became staff um, because as, as the thing grew and then it was like, well, I can't like these, these ministries now are monsters because of the church grew and the ministries grew and people were investing into them. You know, we had people and obviously finance were able to do that and bringing people on staff and, and all that stuff. And so now what we have is um, my kids ministry director, I, I think, coined it perfectly when we were doing shadowing with another kids ministry and doing some consulting work with them, um, looking at this idea of the discipleship model. She said it's the, it's the pyramid scheme for Jesus is the term that she used. And I said, I love it because it, it, it really boils down to um, who are you investing in? Who are the people that you are discipling next? And so for the season that we're now before it was really investing in every single person, but then eventually it was also finding people 
that would also disciple and mentor, you know, and some of these, a lot of these people aren't staff. So we have our staff people that I invest a lot of time with and they invest in their key leaders. And then I, but I guys sometimes can, you know, overstep that and then also invest in those people, but really I'm trusting our staff and I'm investing in them. And then, so we'll take, um, take our kids ministry example or our community life. We have teams of people who have, um, more of the leadership administrative gifts who are looking at the structures of these different ministries and different teams and saying, how can we best equip these people? But they're also paired up with somebody that is pastorally or shepherd-minded that have those type of giftings that are actually saying to these people who are in the trenches, how are you doing? Not how did your day go? How did your ministry go? How are you doing? What do you need prayer for? So you have the how is your ministry going? How can I equip you? How can I train you? What things can we change? So there's this communication pipeline, but there's also a leadership pipeline. And on the other side, there's also a person going, how are you doing? So you're cared for, but you're also being equipped. And so a really interesting thing that's happened, and I see this over and over again, is the way, I'll give you an example for myself, the way that I had mentored or discipled somebody or developed somebody, and I've had this person say this to me, is that when they got more and more responsibility and they were asking themselves, okay, now I have people before me. How do I mentor and disciple them? They go, well, what did Drake do with me? Now that'll shift eventually because I don't want carbon copies of me, but they start this point of like, well, what was modeled with me? I'm going to start there. So a really um, simple example of this is, so our creative arts intern that I mentioned earlier, 17 years old, you know, started in our youth ministry. um, And I just said to him, Hey, you know, what do you think about the idea of like filming on a Sunday? And literally told me later, he's like, yeah, what I thought was, well, I'm literally not doing like, what I'm not doing anything better on a Sunday. So why not? You know, he's plugging our youth ministry, but he wasn't coming on a Sunday. And so all he did was he started coming and he's filming. But here's the thing. So this guy doesn't even realize that he's actually being discipled and he's, he's learning and he's a part of the service. And eventually they got to the place where we needed somebody who was going to be an intern. And he was telling us like, Oh man, you know, I'm looking for a job. I really want to get a car, blah, blah, blah. And I said to our team, I said, you know, I know youth men culture. If this kid gets a job, we're never going to see him again. I knew his personality, too. He might tell his boss once he needs these days off, but the moment he's scheduled, he's never going to go back. And so we put him into that position. Now he's, he's helping grow the, the ministry. He's, you know, he's one of our key leaders. He's in the office all the time. He's being connected with, with different leaders. He works, you know, because he's creative arts, that he works through all the different departments. He's, a key, he's actually one of our uh, youth leaders now as well. And then um, something happened in our creative arts, and he had to actually laterally move over to our presentation. So he, he decided, I need somebody to help filming. I've got a hole now. And so what he did was he took one of the youth that he's in a small group and said, hey, if I pick you up on Sunday, will you come in and, and film with me? He did the exact same thing. And this kid's a community kid. He... he, um, he born and raised in a Muslim family, you know, the kids been coming to our youth ministry and now he's showing up on Sunday and growing in the community. There's this this kind of perpetual cycle. What you see me do, you also do. Now there's obviously structure and forms and leadership pipelines and all that stuff, but for me the big thing is that it, does this fuel into people and discipleship? Does the structure empower that? So that the way I look at it, structure informs um, when you look at that whole philosophy of like what's in the driver's seat of your ministry, structure to me is the undercarriage of the car. It's not even in the cab, but so you don't know it's there, but if it wasn't there, everything would fall apart. And so my role and my goal is to make sure these structures happen so that we can scale these things 
but when the person who's inside of it doesn't feel that structure. Right. So on that leadership development, it's making sure that those people feel invested in, and then they in turn are investing in other people. So it's like you have your five, those five have their five. I mean, it's never that perfect a number, but it's just that it's, it's super basic. I mean, it's not, it's nothing revolutionary, but it's actually taking the time to implement those things to say who is before you. I mean, Annie Stanley talks about this, says do for one, what you could do for everyone. If you're just like, well, I, I, I got too many things. I don't just start with one person and start there and see what happens, you know? And I think a big part of that too is like the whole invest in 80% of your time and the people that give you 80% of, you know, all that stuff, but start somewhere one step. And I think what happens more often than not is we think to ourselves, I don't have the time, but I always say, you don't have the time not to do it. Yeah. Because you're always just going to continue to be running and you're never going to be able to start delegating. You're never going to be able to grow past what your capacity is. Right. So uh, let's move to talking about building teams. And I'm really passionate about this as well. Um, So um, let's kind of talk through how to build a dream team, how to recruit and give responsibility and things like that. So let's talk recruiting first. What is your recruiting strategy? Um, Throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, There's obviously a little more uh, strategy to that, but I I think the difficulty is, is that you need to try a lot of different things in a lot of different seasons. So, um, it's funny because I think over and over again, you hear the whole, don't, don't make announcements on stage. That doesn't work. I would agree and disagree with that. Um, I think that if that is your only strategy, no, you're never going to recruit people. But at the same time, um, we, we've had, we've gone through a season now where I'm like, I'll take a ministry person, say it's kids or youth or community life or whatever it is and have them share about their ministry. And I will also in turn be interviewing them and also be giving credibility and authority to that. Because what happens is, let's take the kids' ministry. The kids' ministry person comes on stage and wants to do a plea about our kids' ministry. All the non-parents, they check out. Because, like, oh, it's kids' ministry. It's not pertaining to me. You know? And we do primarily, like, church news video stuff, but we'll put some special attention with some live stuff. But me standing up there with them and communicating, they're, they're, they get to see the person who's in ministry, or it could be a lay leader even. They see their heart and they go, man, I want to work with that person. And I'm giving them authority, showing how, why this is important. The kids ministry, kids ministry, not overglorified babysitting. You know, like there are kids lives being changed. We have whole families being, their lives being changed because of our kids ministry. When you start, you know, casting a big vision about that, then people can get that, oh, there's something happening here. It's not just, oh, they just need my time. I check punching my car, but I'm actually going to make a difference in somebody's life. Uh, another example on stage is like, and this is something we've been playing with. It's like actually the application of whoever's speaking on the stage or application being a next step, being a part of, say, joining a team or joining a ministry or getting on the vision or getting on mission. You know what? When you have that as an application, your message, we've found that when you, when you build that into that, my goodness, does like, recruitment or signing up for, it could be a, an event or a seminar, but signing up goes through the roof because you, you've done all the work of, of anchoring them to what your message is, answering the question why, and one or a couple of your applications is go to, you know, online or go to the info desk or whatever that next step is, nice and simple. But now that step, something that is really easy and practical, it isn't, you know, like, oh, I get to sign up and figure out more information. Okay, that's easy. And it's attached to this great thing that you've just unpacked in a message, creates this big dynamic thing. Now, that being said, um, it, it is, recruiting is, is getting in the trenches and talking to people. 
it's you know, one of the one of the advantages that I had coming into this ministry role is that I um, I was in charge of all of it, so I didn't have this like oh I need people for youth ministry because I'm a youth pastor and I don't want to hand over somebody to somebody else. I was just like man I got to recruit for everybody, so I would just be like what are you passionate about? What's your dreams? If you could do one thing for God, what would it look like? And I mean I've gotten some pretty stereotypical answers. I've got some crazy answers. And I said, no matter how weird you think it is, what would it look like? And you start, you know, wrestling with that. So I got an example, a guy that said, if you could do anything for God, what would it be? I said, I'd love to use my, my passion for real estate to serve God. And he's thinking like, he's like, you, you've got nothing for that. And I said, actually, you know, we're in the process of like trying to figure out how to pave our, our parking lot right now. I'd love to get you in touch with our board. And if you want to get part of that, and he's like, his eyes lit up. Now, eventually down that road, that guy actually ended up after working with the board eventually actually became part of the board at one point and became a key leader in that. But it's because you asked that question. And what's been really interesting, because being a part of that process of building the culture of those teams um, and having this idea of, like, let's we're recruiting for people and their passion, that same sentiment has stayed in our team. So now, if, if it's youth or if it's community life or it's our hospitality team, if they're recruiting and they think, this person, you know what, I really want them, but as I'm chatting with them, they would be better off in kids or youth or community life. I'm going to encourage them to do that or explore both of them. That because we've had this open-hand concept and, and, and how we built that from the ground up, it stayed into our teams. And what's been amazing in, in that as well is that when one area is suffering or having issues, the other teams come and go, how can we support you? What people can we bring in? You know, we, we want everybody to succeed. So there hasn't really been a silo issue for us. Now, I don't know if that's unique because I was overseeing all of these things. We just built that into the culture. Um, and as we scale, I hope to continue to protect that. Um, but I think that if there can be that cross-pollination, that's huge. But really it is having conversations with people. If you can get your team to be doing that and just saying, look, if other people can catch that vision and you can you, you invite somebody to church and they love it, and they want to get a part of something, and you're their friend, you just go, hey, I'm a part of this community group. I'm a part of this team. Why don't you check it out with me? Because they're more likely to do that anyway, even if it might not be the perfect fit, because they go, I already know this person. I'm not the new person jumping into a bunch of – because that's fearful, right? But if they already have that connection, then they'll do that. So if you've got a friend, and they go, hey, why don't you check it out and come out to whatever the ministry is? And, and they're like, yeah, why not? You know, like cause a lot of people, for us, our, our ministry teams, we put a lot of discipleship and community focus in it as well. It's not just our community groups where we push, are you looking for a community to grow in your faith? It's a great way to do that is to join teams. And a person who's passionate about serving, for example, or making a difference, they may never join a community group, but they might find community and purpose in a team. And so a lot of it's vision casting. A lot of it is creative things, but a lot of it really is just having conversations with people making sure that you're, you know, that you're intentional about asking questions. And we, we do a lot of, of purpose training in this. Um, we do these equip nights I mentioned. We help our teams, our volunteers go, how do you, we're going to, not this next equip, but the one after. The whole focus is how do you help a person take the next step? Maybe they're a newcomer. Maybe that means joining a team. How do you ask good questions, you know, and actually equipping our people to actually do that. So it doesn't fall just on a, a select few, but it's a whole culture, a church of people that are making connections and helping people take next steps in their faith, whatever that looks like. And it's that person's you know, job and responsibility to say, well, what do you want to do? So I think that's a huge part of the recruitment for sure. How do you know if uh, one of your team members is being overtaxed or overscheduled? Yeah. So um, 
a lot of that has to do again with conversation. So let me give you an example. Like with um, when I recruited, when we had to rebuild our kids ministry, and usually kids ministry departments are huge. So we had like nobody, and we need like eighty people, right? So we we would have conversations, and for example, we do like summer relief for our team. And this is a huge thing for us is that, well, and I don't do this anymore, but when I was building this team, you know, we'd have summer relief and I have a conversation with them in the room and say, man, how did the morning go? And more often than not, this is a response to be like, oh, I was great. I used to serve in kids ministry. And I go, really? And they go, oh, dang, I just gave away my hand. And so I'd ask them the question, well, why don't you serve anymore? And it would always fall into three categories. Um, I didn't know I was needed. I didn't think I was gifted and I was overused. Um, especially when it comes to student ministry, but it could be, and actually that could be any ministry actually being overtaxed. And I always say to them, you are needed. You're obviously passionate and gifted. And if I can protect you in what your time and your energy is, would you want to serve? And more often than not, they would say yes. And it's the same thing through that whole, like, you know, pyramid scheme for Jesus. It's again, it's a conversation. How are you, how are you doing? Because here's the thing. If you start with that as them, as a person, um, they're realizing they're just not a cog in a wheel. It's how are you doing? And if you need a break, sometimes we've had to bench people and we say to them, you know, like we've used this example. I mean, this is an old now, but um, when Sidney Crosby, you know, um, I'm doing hockey here, doing stereotypical Canadian, um, but Sidney Crosby, when he got his concussion, he got benched. And it wasn't that he got benched because he's a bad player. He got benched because he was a valuable player, and they didn't want him to be injured. And it's the same thing that I've had to have conversations. We've had team, people, team leads who have had a conversation with people to say, look, you need to take a break. You need for your own. And you know what? Look, we'll reassess. And, and when you come back, you can come back 10 times stronger. This doesn't mean that you're done in this ministry. It means that you're more important than what you do. Um, and communicating those things. I think the hardest thing is, is, is the people that aren't willing to take a break. It's harder. And the people, especially as a Canadian culture, are very passive aggressive. So what happens is, is that you, they'll serve more and 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 they quit everything. And sometimes they leave the church because they're burnt out and they feel guilty about it. So we have this ongoing conversation about, you know, how are you doing? making sure that they understand that they're more important, you know? And, and, and when they get this, like, look, it's okay. When they're like, Oh, what? I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, totally. Open-handed. What happens usually is that pressure falls off and they actually have less stress and they're actually, their, their plate actually grows because they realize, you know what? I'm allowed to give myself a break and then they don't stress out about it. And then that's a less alleviated stress, but it's an ongoing communication with different layers, depending where that, that, that team is and, and making sure they're fielded. But it starts with feeding them as a person, discipling them, mentoring them. The equipping and all that stuff is important, but it needs to be on a foundation of you as a person. Who are you? Your identity, your health, your strength. And there's going to be different seasons. Like some people go back to school and it's like, I need to take a break. Cool. Totally get it because we want you to, when you come back, we want, you know, we want you to be strong and we know that you're passionate about this. And maybe you're like, you know what, I've done my season and I'm, I'm going to do something else. Okay, that's cool. We'll figure things out, you know, and it's open-handed that way. So how do you know if you have the right people on your team? Whew, um, I think there's a couple ways to figure that out. Um, I think the difficulty in the recruiting process and that annoying is in the right team is I mean, there's obviously processes that you can do. Um, there's, you know, 
forms and you can go run people through the ringer to figure those things. Cause I think the difficulty is you want to recruit people, but you also don't want to lower your standards just to get people, you know? Um, but you also, I think, okay, let me put it this way. We have tiered systems. So how we work is we have team members and we have team leads. And so we have different expectations on people. And so in every different ministry department, we have low hanging fruit of how these things work. And the low hanging fruit is also an opportunity to see what's your motivation and why you're in this. So you take our youth team, for example, it was one of the first teams that had a really strong community. We had people that were wanting to jump on the youth team primarily because they needed community, not because they had a heart for students, not because they were there to serve, but they wanted to be fed. And, And again, that's not a bad thing, but they should also have a passion for students and also want to serve. So you have to filter some of that out, but sometimes you got to take a risk on people, you know, and, and, and we've had times where we've, we've taken a risk and realized like, okay, we, we took the wrong gamble on that one. And we've had to have a conversation with them and, and say, Oh, we need to take a step back. You hope not to have those things. Cause you don't want to do the whole, like, Oh, I know we said we're going to do this, but looks like we were wrong. Um, but I don't think people are not ones and zeros. They're not binary. You can't know if you can have a great conversation and they can, they can, you could feel right and you can move forward and you just have to have it again, continual moving forward, seeing where they go. And sometimes people start off great and they end. And then through a season, there needs to be a break just for the simple fact that they go off the rails. Other people could be like, man, we need to go slow on this because man, you're a mess. So but you want to serve? Great. Well, let's figure out a low-hanging fruit to get you in the door to on-ramp you, and we're going to work with you and see where this goes. If this person proves himself or they're growing or these issues, and then, yeah, let's, let's graduate you. Let's bring you to that next level. Um, but you need to have something as an on-ramp. I think that's the big thing is if, if you only have very linear teams or very binary teams that are like, well, every, like we have leaders, but we don't have team members, then – yeah, you want to have people that are entering into your organization, your church that are a hot mess. That's what I hope. That's what the gospel's about. And if they want to, if where their on-ramp is going to be sticking in is serving, having a low-hanging fruit for them to be doing that could be stocking chairs. That could be, you know, running the, the presentation software. That could be setting up for events, you know, and then getting them plugged into some type of, in part of that team still, the discipling, the equipping, and then seeing where that goes, eventually that person might be one of your key leaders because you're investing in them. They might not, but you have to, again, it goes back down to discipleship focus, conversations. Um, and and the, the thing in that too is you have to trust the people that you're investing in to also do that. If you are the person who is having to vet every single person, well, you're going to have a very small team. <laughs> you know, so if, if you've invested in people and they become key leaders, you also need to trust them to do what you've modeled them to do. That's awesome, man. Um, we're we're going to wrap today. Um, uh, yep. Dude, uh, amazing insight. Um, kind of wrap it for us. Um, give us some closing thoughts. Um, maybe wrap mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of building uh, an amazing team um, and just all the mm-hmm. topics that we've discussed today. Do you have any parting thoughts? Yeah, I'd say this. I mean, I wrote an article. I think it, I wrote a couple articles on Bull Cup of Coffee on the leadership section for my page. But and the whole idea was that it's recruit, empower, release, repeat. So, um, as a, just a, as an understanding, if I do, you want to recruit people, you want to find on ramps for people, give opportunities, you know, dialoguing with people, 
call the things out in them, encourage them, lift them up, all that stuff. Saying there is something in you, you do have a passion. I can see this in you. All that stuff. Recruiting them, but once you have them, you need to equip and empower them. You need to give them the tools. You need to show who they are. You need to feed them into a person. Then the the releases. You gotta be willing to let go. Give them both authority and responsibility. Don't just give them the task, but not the authority to be able to do that. And then the repeat is simply as do that with the next stage, but also give the people that you've released the ability to do that as well. And I think that that becomes this kind of engine that happens. And there's always going to be seasons that are hard or not. It's never a perfect science. But I think I think if anything has come through in this conversation, the thread that's gone through that is it's people is is the idea of in anything you do, if it's recruiting, if it's on-ramping, if it's empowering, if it's staffing, if it's side hustle, all of that stuff, it's about growing people. It's about a person. So it really brings down to, and, and you know what? Yeah, what, how you do that with 30 people and how you do that with 3,000 people looks different. But I think the elements are still there of, of scaling those ideas. And so... But you, if you have a team of people who are going to be investing in the next team of people who are investing in the next set of leaders, you need to invest in those people that are closest to you and really invest in them as people. Grow them as big people, big Christ followers, you know, big Christians, whatever, I don't know what you want to use, but if you grow big people, they in turn are going to grow big people, are going to grow big people who are going to grow a big church, who are going to reach a lot of people, that idea. You know, I know that people are like, well, it's not about the numbers, but I always say, you know, I'm not the one to coin this, obviously, but, you know, every number has a name, every name has a story, and God is concerned with that story. And so yep. numbers are important, but they're not the, they're not the thing you start with. They, right. it's, the, it's the people, right? right? So I would say that's my closing remarks. I think there's any thread that's come through this whole thing is this, that you want to invest in people. You want to disciple people. Yeah. And, and I think if you start there... Um, I would say if you're like, yeah, oh man, that's a lot of great stuff, but where do I start? Start looking about what's before you. Who are the people before you? And just start with them and see, what, and see where that goes. Just take one step. Don't worry about what happens five, ten years from now. Just look about this next month and who has God placed before you right now. Start meeting with them. Start investing in them. See what potential they have. You might even realize that they have a gift for an area that you hate doing. <laughs> Maybe you have somebody that loves spreadsheets. They exist, trust me. And you're just like, they're like, I'll take it off your hands and then not feel guilty, give it over to them, and they might revolutionize something or another area could be student ministry, whatever it is. See who's before you, building those people, hand off those things. Annually, Stanley says, like, you know, empower people to do the things that they are passionate about so that you can do what nobody else can do. So just start with whatever's before you. So, how can we keep up with you? How can we keep up with Gateway? Uh, Gateway is, um, if you just go to www.gateway.ac, so the AC stands for Alliance Church, um, and yeah, I have all of our, our ministry page and different connection links are there. Um, I think our, yeah, our social media are connected to that, but it's just um, Facebook and Instagram is just uh, Gateway Edmonton is a shorthand for that. For myself, the shortest link is uh, drakefarmer.com. Um, the full is the full, the full URL is Drake Delong or yeah Drake Delong Farmer.com, but if you just go DrakeFarmer.com, same thing, all the links and everything that go there. Or of course, there's Bull Cup of Coffee is one of the side hustles. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your time today. Yep, absolutely. It was my pleasure. Tis the season for Christmas worship media at your church. Check out our massive library of mini movies 
service packs, song videos, and full service boxes, all pre-made and ready to use for your Christmas services and events. You can choose from our selection of mini-movies, which are short-form illustration videos you can use as sermon bumpers, trailers, openers, or transitional elements in your worship experience. Our service packs are collections of Christmas media content, including layered graphic design artwork, matching countdowns, motions, and stills. You can check out our song and lyric videos featuring original Christmas music from award-winning musicians at Seeds Family Worship. Finally, you can check out our full series kits, ready-made for your holiday worship experience and events. Our signature series in a box kits are packed with editable graphic design files, video content, and teaching content to make executing your experiences easier so that you can do more ministry. You can try our Go Unlimited plan and get full access to the entire library for only $49 a month. Tis the season for high-quality, low-cost worship media content for your church. Visit 1230.media slash Christmas to search our entire library today. That's 1230.media slash Christmas. Show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are online now at thechurchmediapodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show. We would love that. And we are one of the top 10 church media podcasts on iTunes. So just search church media to find us and be sure to check out the churchmediapodcast.com for tons more content. That's the churchmediapodcast.com. On the next church media podcast. Next week on the show, Alex and Fedjian will be joining me. We're going to be talking about seven reasons to have a midweek rehearsal. Alex runs worshipministrytraining.com. He's a great guy. You're going to really enjoy hearing from him. He's coming up next week. Don't miss my friend David Michael Hyde, our podcast producer. He is online at davidmichaelhyde.com. Be sure to go check out his website today. And it's a privilege hanging out with you guys. Go out there and create some incredible experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your team, visit thechurchmediapodcast.com. We'll catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast. 